Hey everyone, really excited about the show this week. I am talking with Matt Fury, the author of Combat Conditioning. And, well, he's written a lot of books. He's also done a lot of amazing things. Matt is the reason I started doing Hindu push-ups and Hindu squats back in, it's probably around 2006, and I've never really left them. Uh, those movements are fantastic. But Matt is also the president of Psycho-Cybernetics, and that in itself is, an, um, if you've never read that book, you need to read that book. Anyway, I got to talk to Matt Fury, and this was awesome. So I hope you enjoy the show. Pull up a chair and buckle up. It's the Original Strength Podcast. So Matt, I, I, I got to thank you. Um, it's been, I'm, well, I've been wanting to talk to you for a very long time, um, and well, first of all, just thank you. You uh, probably changed, uh, saved my life from a sickness that I had. Uh, it was called lifting weights. <laughs> um, and I was doing it for probably 20 years when I came across combat conditioning. And that just kind of just opened my eyes to a whole new world uh, of bodyweight training. So thank you very much for writing that book. Well, that's good to hear. Uh, what is your current age? I'm currently 46. All right. And you look 26. So I think it's done you some good, huh? It has. It has done me some good. <laughs> it's kept, kept my joints mobile and supple. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. It's a, it's a very diff, difficult sickness for a lot of people to break. Um, I started breaking it in college. Um, my freshman year in college, I started learning what was what was part of a relaxation techniques class my freshman first semester it was actually a horse stance posture where you revolve it was a revolving horse stance posture and you had to be able to hold it for two minutes to pass the course but with your hamstrings and buttocks parallel to the floor not just knees bent a couple of centimeters and I had this class twice a week for eight weeks. And around the sixth week of doing this, just two days a week, when I went to wrestling practice, some of the people who were giving me fits and that, that weren't national champions or world champions. You know, this is the Iowa wrestling. So some of the guys that, I struggled with early on and probably should have beaten them more, much more easily in practice, or they were getting the better of me. After six weeks of this training, there was an, a, a few different guys that I just started beating the hell out of. And I didn't figure it out. Why? I wasn't able to put it together until after I was out of college five years later and working on my own as a personal trainer. And then I started getting into martial arts. So I got glimpses of this early on. I, I always studied and looked at Jack LaLanne, who was a combination. He, he did a lot of body weight exercise. He also lifted weights, but he didn't lift for size and, and uh, power and so on. Then, but then I looked at all these endurance feats. I actually wrote uh, a term paper in college on that was partly about him. 
Then I had heard about this guy, Carl Gotch. I didn't know him by name, but I'd heard about this guy who trained, who was a pro wrestler and trained all these people in bodyweight exercises, various push-ups. So I was always looking while I was in college, but this was pre-internet. This was before there was much information out there on anything body weight other than yoga and then later on Pilates. And that's a whole different, a whole different animal. And some people will think that the exercises in my book are all yoga. No, they're not. <laughs> There's a, there is a difference. There's a difference. But, but after college, getting into martial arts, and then particularly after winning the world championship in Beijing in 1997, I had one of my customers reached out to me and he opened the door for me to uh, go meet Carl Gotch. This was the guy who trained people in bodyweight only exercises. I went and met Carl in the year 1999, March of 1999. <clears throat> and it was uh, at the time I was mostly bodyweight exercises. I still did some weight training, but after that, I went completely to body weight with the exception of straps, you know, bungees, wheel rollout devices, and so trampolines. <laughs> See, that, that doesn't interfere. Even, even swinging Indian clubs and maces and so on, it's not body weight as much, but it's not weightlifting either. Right. It's functional. So implements such as that, I, I am in favor of. I wasn't, Carl taught me to swing the Indian clubs and he taught me to swing the mace, but I didn't really have much interest in when I when I published combat conditioning. I just stuck with the body weight only. And he wanted to put out a video on swinging the mace and swinging the clubs. And at the time I said, nobody's interested in this. Nobody wants to know this. I didn't then, therefore I didn't pursue it with him. But then there's been some real studs come along. Rick Brown, he's one of my members, Mr. Mace man. He's just phenomenal. He's gone all over the world swinging that swinging that tool so but also same as yourself loves the body weight exercise so the weight training calling it a sickness <laughs> i've never heard that phrase that way so i'll let you use those words <laughs> i get in enough trouble as it is with, with what i say i understand <laughs> so what do you think what what was it about the horse dance or about about Hindu push-ups or Hindu squats that enabled you to handle those guys that you were wrestling that used to give you a fit, but it just, what, how did that turn the table for you? Well, my understanding at that time was zero. I didn't even make the connection, but what I now realize about, let's say, let's just stick with the horse stands. And, and the revolving horse stance, not just one where you're standing still, is that 
it's not only working the legs at a different level, and it's not muscular. See, this is the this is one of the fundamental differences. The weightlifting is all about the muscles and tightening them and shortening them. And along with that goes the tendons. They tighten and shorten as well. Well, the horse stance and other body weight exercises are designed to lengthen and loosen and strengthen, not just tighten and shorten. You don't want tighter and shorter. You want longer and stronger. Well, that stance is not working the muscles the same way you would with weights. Are the muscles being worked? Yes, of course. But we're also hitting the fascia and we're hitting the tendons. Along with that, because of the way it's done slowly, with breathing and the rotating, you're hitting all these coiling energies of the body and you're working the organs. This is a key because the organs we think of as, as they just have this job to do for the organ itself. But when you get into the way the Chinese looked at it is that the organs actually supply the muscles with the strength and energy to do what they need to do. Well, what do the kidneys do? So when I'm twisting and doing this, I'm energizing and tonifying the kidneys. Well, what do the kidneys control? They control the leg strength and the speed. So that's what happened is I, I, I gained a step of quickness that I didn't otherwise have. And I was able to blow through guys that were giving me trouble. Then of course there were other guys, long story shorter, I sustained a knee injury over Christmas of that year. And then I was out three months. So I never went back to that. I never went back to that exercise. There wasn't a, a second level class or a third level, there was none. So this is why I wonder how good would I have been if I had another class and another one taking me further in this? This is only two minutes. It's not that difficult. After college was when I started to get really good, when I'm no longer competing in wrestling. So with that, with a nine-year break, then I got into, all right, well, I'll compete in this Chinese martial art. And um, and I took that all the way to the world championship. So, but I, I'm continuing to learn. But it to, to answer your question, what makes them good is that we're not just hitting muscles, and we're not tightening and and uh, shortening muscles. We're making them longer and stronger. Plus, we're hitting the tendons. Plus, we're hitting the fascia, and we're energizing the organs. And the organs control the strength so to understand well how how so did the kidneys control the strength in the legs well what happens if somebody punches you in the kidneys why do they make it illegal in boxing because you'll drop the guy <laughs> so it, it's uh and, and then there's an emotional component as part of it as well the kidneys store the negative emotion of fear and positive emotion of like, of let's say, uh, calmness and serenity. 
Well, what happens when a person faints? Why does a person faint suddenly when given certain news, when hit with certain news? Because the, the mental image the person makes when getting the news is some horrifying, fearful image. And oh my God, then they lose what? They lose control of their legs. They drop to the floor. So the kidneys taking in this emotion of fear drops the person. <laughs> so that's, that to me was made most manifest one day out in California when I lived there. Thank God I got out of there 22 years ago. It's, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I gotta, gotta feel for those people there. Just, it's just what it's become there. It's just terrible. You're in Florida, you said? I'm in North Carolina. Or North Carolina. All right, yes, you're sir. close. You're close. <laughs> well, uh, what happened one day, I was with my wife in the car and picked her up at this restaurant. We're ready to head home. And there were two people walking behind the car. I have her in the driver's seat. She puts it in reverse and starts to back up. And I realize, oh my God, she's going to hit these people. She doesn't. She didn't see him. So I gladly there was. Thankfully, there was a, a break in between the seats, and I grabbed it, yanked it, and pulled it up while yelling for her to stop. And just you know, missed the people. Didn't hit them. They walked on by. But I remember when I got home five minutes later, got out of the car and started walking, I was still in this state of, oh my God, what could have happened? And my legs felt weak and wobbly as I was walking up the stairs. So that again, is that's the emotional component. And some of these exercises, they put you into a mildly euphoric state because they're tonifying the organs. It's not just a muscular exercise wow i've never heard any of that before do you have a book on that i do not i've spoken about it i've, I've taught it privately to my clients but i i have not uh put out any book on that but i i have i have a fair amount of writings that haven't been released yet and uh we'll see we'll see what happens well i will be looking for that <laughs> <laughs> yeah and so you, you talked about wrestling and Kung Fu and you were like, well, I started to get pretty good, but you, you were really, really like you, you won the division two national championship uh, and for the NCAA. Right. And like, I think yeah. that was 1985 and then in 97, yes. 97, you took the gold in Kung Fu in, in China. Um, and yeah. to, as far as, as far as I know, it was almost as if you actually created the internet because as soon as I started learning how to use it, I somehow found you in combat and conditioning and you have been teaching people how to, to build their health, how to build their businesses and how to build their dreams or become successful. So it's, it's almost like you're a dream weaver um, and you've been doing it for so, so long. Was that because somebody introduced you to psychocybernetics, or did that just come alongside on your path as well? 
Well, first of all, um, that's that's a very positive way of positioning me. So I, I thank you for that, even though I, I have uh, immense trouble taking it in as 100%. <laughs> I didn't create the internet, but I, I get what you're saying. And But uh, in terms of how it all happened, it really began with a dream, let's say, when I was in college and be, well before I graduated, I knew that I wanted to be a writer one day. Not, not somebody who writes, but an author, a published author. And when I got out of college, started as a personal trainer, that desire never left me. I just didn't know how to make it all come together. I wasn't interested in mailing out manuscripts to hundreds of uh, publishing houses and going through uh, rejection and oh, this one, and then finally having somebody accept me and then they want to take what you wrote and completely rewrite it. And then you no longer even have any control over what you write, what, what you wrote and they own it. And if they don't do a good job selling it or if you don't help them sell it, they're just printing it, then they take it off the shelves and you lost the book. You lost the rights, you don't own it. And, and it's difficult to even get it back. So when I looked at all those scenarios, I thought, I'm, I'm not gonna do that. Eventually I'm gonna figure this out. Well, in 1995, summer of 95, I came across an advertisement for a course put out by Ted Nicholas on how to write your own book and sell a million copies and so on. Well, that got my attention. I ordered his course, I studied it, and I began to implement immediately what he was teaching. It, uh, it seemed so simple and so easy the way he laid it out. Next thing you know, I've got my first book, The Martial Art of Wrestling. And I struggled in the beginning. It, the internet was, was new. It was really new. Nobody ordered online. Nobody. When people ordered, they'd read about uh, they'd read about my product online, and they'd call, or they'd fax in the order, or they'd mail it in. My first three orders for the martial art wrestling came from from North Pole, Alaska, Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, and uh, Glasgow, Scotland. Wow. So if you think, if I opened a store to sell my books, <laughs> that would, <laughs> you'd be out of business real soon. But with the internet, and how did these people find me? They found me on a bulletin board. What's that? We think of it today. We, some of this terminology we don't even use as much. Yes, we have discussion boards, et cetera. Then we we're calling them bulletin boards, and you had you had different uh, you had AOL, and you had uh, uh, it'll come to me. 
there was this other one that I that I would just find. I didn't even know what I was doing. Just put up this little paragraph about my book. And then a few days later, I found out somehow that people had replied to me personally with an interest in getting the book. What? How did they know? Oh, they saw this ad, but it wasn't an ad. It was just a few words that I threw up on this bulletin board. So ends up that I uh, kept putting out more and more books and, and products, but none of them were selling incredibly well. They were selling enough for me to make a little money and stay active, but they weren't, none of them were homeless, even though they were selling. None of them lost money. So that was a good thing. So I was getting experience without, without depleting everything I had. And then we moved to Florida in September of 1999. And in February of 2000, I put out Combat Condition. When I put that out, it was, it was as though an explosion took place on the internet. And people, I, I ordered 250 copies to start with, figuring I don't know how long it will take to get rid of these. And they were gone very quickly. So I ordered another 250, again, gone. All right, now I'll get real brave and I'll get 500 copies. Well, this then led to me learning more about internet marketing and so on. At the time, I knew some, but it was still pretty new, even though it was 2000, but at least people ordered online. Now they did. It wasn't all by mail or call-in, but there was still a fair amount of that. And I did, I did really well in 2000, 2001, 2002, 2003, then I got encouraged by Dan Kennedy to start teaching this. In his words, it was, all the other internet marketers are shovel sellers. He looks at me and says, do you know what a shovel seller is? No, I don't know what that is. Well, back during the California gold rush, in the 1840s, 1849, more money was made selling shovels to people who were going to mine and pan for gold than was made actually mining for gold. Oh, wow. <laughs> the money was in selling the shovel. He says that the majority of internet marketing gurus have never made any money selling a real product you have. I thought, well, isn't their product a real product? No. Well, technically it is, but it's teaching you to make money doing something that they never did outside of selling how to make money. You follow? Yeah. So this is what he meant by shovel selling. They're selling you a course on how to make money, but independent of that course, they never made a dime. You're unique. You're actually doing it. Selling real products to real people. So this was one of my first headlines. 
how to make a how to make a fortune on the internet from your spare bedroom in your spare spare time selling real products to real people. There's some, approximately, and I started doing seminars on this, and then this led to coaching and mastermind groups and so on. Well, then that led to Dan Kennedy putting his arm around me and saying, you're the guy, not in those words, to, to bring psycho-cybernetics further forward. And I, I then ended up buying the company from him. For two years, I worked as the master affiliate or master licensee. And everything I did, I have to check in with Dan first. Then after a couple of years, you know, we can bypass all of this. You checking in to see if what you want to do is uh, is uh, appropriate. You you can just own the company. <laughs> really? So I remember uh, sending a check. That all of that information is confidential, of course. But I remember sending a check on my birthday, on May fifth, two thousand five and simultaneously having a sale, uh, a birthday sale. And the, the goal of the birthday sale was is that that would finance and pay for the, the whole amount. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so that's the way I look at it is I'm not, I'm not, Dan, Dan had, uh, a seminar once that at one time he was going through a divorce and it was a significant amount of money and his his psychology about it or his mind state about it was I'm not paying for it I'll write the check but I'm not paying for it my customers are paying for it I'm going to have a seminar charge three thousand dollars a person fill the room with 200 300 people and that'll actually pay for it so I didn't have that exact mindset, but it, it fell into that. I didn't start with that mindset. It was, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this. And then I happened to have a sale on the same day, and it became this interwoven, interwoven goal. But simultaneously, also, a lot happened on that day. In fact, those two days, meaning May 5th and May 6th, I also had a seminar, a small group seminar with 10 people teaching them how to write emails. And they paid $10,000 each to be in the room for that. For two days, I sat with them and gave them assignments, gave them a time limit to be finished, they would then read it out loud, and then I would give them my analysis and, and uh, opinions and uh, and changes I would make and so on. So that then led to more and more. So I can see where you're coming from. There are a lot of people out there on the Internet in the fitness industry, such as yourself, whom I've never spoken to before today. And without you writing me and telling me your story, how you got started, I would have no earthly idea that I was 
an initial inspiration of sorts that got him going, it's it's flabbergasting. When when I I know all the people that I directly coached and mentored and how well they've done. But then I have these other people who claim me as a mentor and I've never met them, don't know them and never mentored them. So I, I, I have this mindset of if I mentored you, I'll let you know. <laughs> I'll let you know if I mentored you. You don't get to choose that, oh, Matt Fury's my mentor. If I never met you, don't know your name. So just because you read my books and, and got my videos and so on, you claim me as a mentor, that's a stretch. So so I, I realized that that uh, is uh, how some people look at it anyway. And, and that's fine. I've, I've come to peace with it. <laughs> but it is, it is funny. Uh, so it, it was... Uh, it was uh, delightful to hear that you had learned from me. And I see people all over Instagram and Facebook and so on. And I enjoy supporting people in the fitness industry. And I will buy from them just because, not necessarily because I'm going to follow their program, but I want to support them in, in what they're doing. I'll buy from and as soon as I buy from them, I will, I will get an email or a text or something saying, oh, my God, I can't believe it. Is this for real? What? Uh, what do you mean? Is, is this Matt Fury that wrote Combat Commit? Yes, it is. So you, you bought my program? What, what, what did you buy my program? I want to learn what the hell you're doing. Well, you were one of the this, that. Oh, geez, I didn't know. So there, there's a bunch of these guys that are doing phenomenal, phenomenal work. And, uh, and uh, there's, there's some, for example, this guy, Wild Man, Wild Man Conditioning. He, he goes on there and he gives me credit and says, I was the original guy. I'm the one who got all this started, et cetera. I never really stopped and think about that. But it was 21 years ago that I put that book out. And, and a lot of people, it, it changed their perspective on fitness. It changed their mindset. It changed the, their, their workouts. I never expected it to, to turn them into published authors or their own content creators and so on. It, so it's, it's pretty awesome what you're doing. Um, and, and there, and there's, there's facets of, of what's in my book that you can take and build an entire business around. <laughs> So you take uh, Hindu squats. What do they have going for them that is unique? Well, you're off your heels and your knees go over your toes, which you're not supposed to do. It's supposed to be bad for you. But it actually is the opposite of what the experts say. It's actually 
strengthens the tendons, strengthens the muscles around the knees and so on. And it's one of the best things you can do. It not only uh, prevents knee injuries and knee pain, it rehabilitates them. So there are people who have entire business model built around a body weight squat where the knees are going over the ankle and going over the toes and you're strengthening the tendons and so on. And then, then I see some other stuff where they're doing uh, what I call a kneeling back bend. So you're on your knees, your feet behind you, and you're bending over and you go all the way to the ground and you pop back up. It's in the book. It's in the DVDs. Again, there, there's pieces of equipment made for this sort of stuff now. Uh, so, yeah, and at the same time, to give credit, there are people doing phenomenal things with bodyweight exercises way beyond anything I have ever done or care to do. See, I, I don't care to do a one-finger pull-up. It, it, it doesn't light a fire under me. I don't, I'm not interested in being able to do a hundred straight one-arm pull-ups or being able to do uh, as some of the Shaolin monks, you know, one finger handstand and some of this, it's way beyond anything I've done. I, I'm not, I'm not yet interested in running up the side of a cliff and backflipping and landing and somersaulting. And so I, I'm more interested in it currently and as few reps as possible, holding, getting back to what I learned that first semester at University of Iowa, of being in a position, getting into a specific posture, and then milking that posture for everything that it's worth. So it's more internal. Do I believe in, in uh, high repetition exercises and so? Yes, they do. Do I think it's good for you to do calisthenics and in high reps? Yes, but I also think it's good to do low rep calisthenics. So some people think that it's all about high reps. No, it's not. <laughs> well, once you get to 25 reps, it's all endurance after that. Well, first of all, that's not true. Second of all, who, who made that a rule that that when you get to 25 push-ups, it's all endurance. So now go to the barbells. Wait a minute. Go to one arm push-ups. Oh, but I can do 25 of those. All right, now go to the barbells. No, let's go to the handstand push-ups. Oh, you can do 25 handstand push-ups. Great. Now, now go to the barbells. No, go to one arm. <laughs> go to <laughs> so so. The, the weight training people, they have this idea that there is no progressive resistance in body weight exercise. But what do you think about that? Is there, can you, can you make an exercise harder without adding weight? Absolutely. Like, I, <laughs> and you might do this too, but like just the, the Hindu push-up, doing that as super slow as you can so that sloths get jealous 
is a fantastic, you know, you only, you might only do one or two reps, but that is like, I love doing stuff like that. And, and you can yeah. always progress it. You can raise a leg, you can raise an arm. I mean, you can change your leverage, your levers, your speed, your, I mean, all kinds of things you can change. Yeah. It, it reduced the number of fingers you're using, put your feet up a little higher, put, you know, put your hands on a ball, <laughs> grab onto a board and that's the way I look at it is, uh, but the idea, the, the, the idea that you're not increasing strength after 25 reps, uh, what kind of strength are you talking about? See, there's different kinds of strength. What? No, I, I think you're right. Like there's, there's muscles that, you know, I, I call them muscles for show muscles for go. Like, like, cause like yeah. you said, you're not interested in doing one finger pull-ups. Well, I'm not either. I just want to feel good. I, I, I want to enjoy my life yeah. with the least amount of wear and tear. Yeah. You know, I want to be smart and take care of my body. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yes. Without a doubt. And that's, that's one of the, one of the keys here is be smart about this. Body weight exercise is not something that you just do whatever you want and you'll never get injured. You still have to be intelligent about it. But the, the idea that if you lift weights, you're preventing injuries. Uh, I don't know. What's your experience? Did you prevent injuries? No, most of my injuries were caused because of, of weight training. I mean, being making dumb mistakes, but also because of weight training. <laughs> yeah. 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 You go into the weight room and remember back when you were younger, let's say, when did you start using weights? What was, what was your age? 13. Same with me. And did you ever have the experience of lifting weights and then shooting hoops, grabbing a basketball and yeah, shooting baskets? But I was terrible and, at it at that point. <laughs> all right. Were you terrible at it before weights or because you just used the weights? Because after or I both. just used, yeah, no, after I just used the weights, I yeah. was bad, bad at it. Yeah, you have no sense of feel for what is the correct touch. And that is a perfect analogy, not for explaining the injuries but for explaining that you're losing the feel for something that's a lot more natural. And then the muscles are tighter, they're shorter, instead of longer and stronger. My injuries happened on the wrestling mat and they always, I'd work out with weights, let's say on Tuesday and have wrestling practice and then I seem fine. And then I go to wrestling practice again the next day. And all of a sudden, I'd be hurting something. So there's, you could say, well, you're not recovered. Well, as a collegiate athlete, you need to be recovered. If you're, if you're, whether you're using weights or you're running stairs or whatever it's, whatever is going on, you need to be recovered. And why is it that I didn't have that problem with recovery? When I did body weight exercises, weights, they beat your body up. 
they tear it down. Whereas the, the body weight exercises, they can beat your body up, but they have more of a rejuvenated, rejuvenative and restorative effect most of the time. You can overdo it and you know, pay a price for it there, but I found that with body weight exercises, when I when I had a, a wrestling school here in Tampa years ago, we would do 500 Hindu squats and 100 Hindu push-ups and three minutes of back bridging and a bunch of other body weight exercises before we even started wrestling practice, working on the moves and, and sparring and so on. None of that was... None of that began until we had finished that. Did anyone ever get injured because they just finished? Never happened. The people who could barely do 500 squats, well, they weren't ready to wrestle yet. So, but never, never had that situation. So it's, it's important to realize that the, the body weight exercises, when you do them properly, they restructure and realign your body as well. They all, they also teach so, you how to breathe, right? Provided you, provided you are paying attention to what you teach and what I teach. <laughs> there are people who don't breathe because they don't think about it. But it's it's really important. And then there's different levels of breathing. If, why do you breathe out when you go down in the Hindu squat? People wonder. You're supposed to inhale down, exhale up. And initially when I taught it, it was exhale down, inhale up. Why? Because when you're going down, you're letting go of the tension. And then you're coming up. And I started thinking about it. Some of my martial arts training is every movement with the breath. So everything. Everything is with the breath. So why not exhale down, quickly inhale and exhale up? Let me play with that. Or I'm doing Hindu push-ups. So I'm scooping down, pushing up, exhale. And now I'm coming back down pushing back or I'm just pushing back, but there's tension in the body during that moment. So what would happen if I exhale through, inhale, exhale back, exhale through, inhale, exhale back. So I play with it when people will write me and say, well, do I inhale down and exhale up or do I exhale down and inhale up or can I do it either way? Yes. And both. What do you mean and both? If I'm doing a slow motion Hindu squat or Hindu push-up, and I'm holding my breath for the entire first part of the movement, that doesn't make any sense, does it? No, you that's bad. Pass out. <laughs> and and you're you're tense. So if the objective is to get longer and stronger 
but you're holding your breath for a significant amount of time while you're trying to get longer and stronger. You're, you're not. So now you're going slowly and you're exhaling as often as needed. So you're the first part of the Hindu push-up. When you do it slowly, do you have an idea how many inhales and exhales you do? No, um, but I can like make it's more this. it's more than one. <laughs> it's right. a lot of a lot of breathing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It'd be interesting to keep count to see how many breaths. Right. Now with the bridge, with the back bridge, nose on the ground, I used to keep track of my breaths. And these were relaxed. I'd get into position, I'm nice and relaxed. And I had it down to eight and a half breaths for three minutes. Wow. But that wasn't a breath where I'm inhaling and I'm straining to hold it. It was a nice flowing inhale, exhale. Eight and a half breaths. But in the beginning, you inhale and exhale every time your body is, is starting to feel any amount of tension, let it go. And that's what you're doing. So what do you do for your neck? Uh, I do. Uh, so I have a, a movement uh, system that I teach called original strength. And I just do a lot of uh, head neck nods in different positions and head rotations and things like that. It's pretty phenomenal, huh? Yes. You Very. go in 45 degree angle. Uh, forward or back or side to side. I, I try to, I, I, I try this to way. hit different things. Yes. This way, I, and then back same way. I, I have done that, but I usually combine that with bigger movements too, not just neck. All right. Yeah. Cause your neck is, you got a good neck. So I noticed that first thing I noticed about you. So you, you're doing that checkup from the neck up. Which Every we day. usually think we usually think of it, that as positive thinking, but it's actually positive movement. So when you train your neck, you're sending more blood flow to the brain. So you're smarter, and you're got better memory. A friend of mine, he claims that he's helped people uh, eliminate their Alzheimer's. He claims, I don't have any proof of this, right? But it, but what's his method? So all the neck exercises, what you're talking about in all the different directions. Said the people's memory is no good because there's no blood flow. Wow. That's part, that's part of the reason. The other part is they don't use their memory. They stop memorizing facts and figures as soon as they got out of high school or college. So you, you want to keep your brain active and remember things on purpose. Absolutely. That's the way I look at it. Not, you know, you, you're constantly learning new exercises. Your brain's taking in something new. You do the exercise in a different way. Do you do any bridging at all? Or I do. Um, not as like I have a, like a daily routine. I, I, I probably bridge a few times one, 
like a few times a month. And when I'll, I'll get in these little kicks where I'll just do a lot of it. And it, most of the time it's just to make sure I can still do it or I'm really trying to, to lengthen out my spine. Yeah. Yes. Make sure. Well, that's good. That's good. Any other questions for me? I, I, I talked for quite a, quite a while without any questions, but, but I'm no. sure you got some others. Yeah. This is, this has been phenomenal. I do. Uh, if, if you have time, I just ask you, I was going to ask you one more question. Do you still, yeah. so you still have an active daily routine that you go through? I still have multiple daily routines that I go through. It's not just one. I have, and, and some days I do just one. And then the next day I have a completely different routine. I have, I have, I've learned, I never stop learning. So for example, this morning I got up and I did Tai Chi to start the day. And then I had to do coaching calls and so on. But yesterday I'm practicing an Indonesian, a Thai and Indonesian mixed martial art with a, with a gentleman in the area. And I'll see him again tomorrow. So that's my martial arts workout. But then is that my only workout for the day? No, because then I'll have... I'll have a, a routine of various types of walking. All right. So various types of walking isn't walking, just walking. No, uh, no. <laughs> there are, uh, there are a lot of different types of walking, uh, such as what? Well, if that's all the further, you know, at this point in your life, let, let's just, let's just end the discussion. <laughs> There's a lot of ways to walk. And, and um, so I'll do body weight exercises. I'll do work with, uh, with different implements, whips. I really love whips. Wow. Uh, various kinds. I have some that are more, let's say, the length of a club, but they've got a flexible steel rod in them. So they're not long and they don't crack. And I have a Russian Cossack type of whips I use. Then I have standard bull whips. Uh, that, when I crack that thing, you'll think that the gun is being fired. Then I got one that's all leather with the steel broad in it. The whole thing's leather and it weighs a few pounds. So that thing just getting it going, it's about 10 feet long, getting that thing going, whoa. So why I use the whips is because you have to use the spiraling energy. It's not linear. Most people's exercise routine is a linear system. They bench press, down, up. Barbell squat, down, up. But that's not natural movement. You know? That that's uh, or sit on a sit on something and push or press or do pec deck. All right, fine, but it's still to me is not functional and it's not natural. But hanging from a bar, for example, just doing that, just hang from a damn bar. For time, not even doing pull-ups. Now, will you see that in nature? Yes, all the time. 
You don't you don't see uh, monkeys doing chin ups all the day, but you do see them hanging. You know? So I look at it that way. Various types of walking, sitting has become. Uh, a lot of people are saying that it's the new smoking, that it's bad for you, et cetera, et cetera. And my answer to that is no, it's not. Depends what you're sitting on and how you're sitting and what you're doing when you're sitting. See, so sitting on the couch for eight hours a day, all right, maybe not so good for you, but sitting on the floor with one leg stretched out and one knee folded and you just start rocking, moving from there. Oh man, I didn't realize my hip flexors were tight. Oh, my piriformis is, man, I feel the inside of my knee. I feel the outside of my knee. I feel the back of my knee. Well, why? Because you never sat on, you haven't sat on the floor since you were a child. You see? Yeah. So. So start doing what you did when you were a child and you, you're only a foot tall, foot and a half tall. You're not sitting on the couch. You're on the floor. You stand up, you fall down, you're on the floor, you're playing, you're doing things, etc. Then all the limbs are functional and soft and pliable. So that's another example of a routine uh, that I'll do. So usually, usually every day, at least two different routines and some days, some days more different, different uh, training. But I would say that one of the big takeaways is to never stop learning. Even the, even the, the Hindu squad, Hindu pushups, the bridging, the big three in combat conditioning, I'm still learning from those exercises. It's not as though, oh, I know those already, move on, find something else. There, there are nuances. New, isn't that what you, Why else would you be going to five minutes on that if there weren't levels upon levels? Curiosity. So, <laughs> yeah. and, and it's doing something for you that you can't duplicate if you do 100 reps. Right. And the 100 reps is doing something for you that you can't duplicate if you're doing one. So, so it's a trade-off. But you mentioned something a little earlier on, I want to feel good. And what I've come to realize is when I would read about some of these martial artists that are in their 70s and 80s, and, and they know a bunch of different martial arts, and they know Bagua, Shingi, Taiji, Shaolin Longfist, Grappling, Shuai Jiao, all this. And the old man gets up in the morning and he says, today I need more, <clears throat> need more fire. So he practices Shingi. And then another morning he gets up and he's got too much fire. He needs to mellow out a little bit. He needs a little more water. So he practices the Tai Chi, soft and flowing. You see, so that that martial artist is is structuring his routine for the day 
based upon how do I currently feel? What do I prescribe for myself based on that? And that's really where I am at this point is instead of giving myself a routine, for example, you see the YouTube videos. I did a hundred burpees a day for a hundred days. And this is what happened to my body. I did a hundred pushups a day for a hundred days. And I did a hundred sit-ups. They're very popular and they're intriguing. I should do one. <laughs> I, I haven't done a YouTube video. I, I just started doing them a couple of years ago. And then last year, March, I stopped doing them. And I went there and I realized I had a couple thousand more followers than when I stopped 14 months ago. So, man, I ought to do more of these. But, uh, but I, I'm intrigued by a lot of these videos of, of uh, 100 reps a day for this many days in a row. But I don't do that for myself in my own training because I don't want to be locked in to a routine that I am supposed to do because I imposed it on myself. And no matter how I feel, I'm going to do that. It's great. It's a great exercise of discipline and determination and, and dedication and so on. But it's also, a, a, it's also quite possibly a program you can injure yourself in because you're not factoring in how do I feel today? And, it, and if, if you're doing, let's say, 100 burpees a day and you're on day 30 and your goal is to do it 100 days in a row without missing, but your lower back is injured or you got a, a pain in your shoulder, but you no, I'm doing it. I, I said I'm not missing. The discipline then, trap. Yeah, you're, you're asking for trouble. Just what you call it? The discipline trap. Yeah, the discipline trap, yes. So one of my friends, Dr. Dale Dugas, he's a he's an acupuncturist and martial artist. He said, you know, get up, move, or die. It's one of his sayings. Get up, move, or die. I like it. <laughs> and I think of it, I, I when I first heard that, I was ambivalent about it. I didn't I didn't think about it much. But Mornings such as today, when I got up, I'm hearing that get up, move, or die. It's, you don't have to do much to get everything going. It, we're not talking about hours a day of training. I have I have times of the year where I, I train for hours a day, and then I have other times that my my full routine altogether is probably an hour, maybe maybe an hour and a half. And then the, there might be days that. I have a big, huge writing project to do, and my fitness routine for the day is 10 or 15 minutes. And that's stretching and light walking in between writing to make sure I still have plenty of, of juice for the writing. So it, it all depends. But uh, in the early days, when you're 20 when you're something, Eric Gutman says it this way. He said, when you're young, you got a whole bunch of bullets. And let's say you got 100 bullets and you can fire 50 of them. You still got 50. But when you're 50 and you only have 50 bullets, 
See? All right. Now you get a little you get a little smarter with your training and realize that eventually you're not gonna have any ammo left. So how do we make this ammunition last a long time so that you're 80, 90, 100 years of age and you still got 50 bullets? So every time you screw up and you use your mind to override what the body is telling you, you might be losing a bullet. You see? That's awesome. That's powerful. Yeah. I think so. And it makes sense to me. Get out of pain, stay out of pain as long as possible. And yes, whatever you're doing, whatever you're doing that's causing pain, either reevaluate your technique and how you're doing it, because it, that might be the problem, or, or change. I had a, I had a lady wrote me, a couple of days ago and said that she's experiencing neck pain from doing Hindu push-ups. And could you tell me what I'm doing wrong? Oh, no, I can't because I haven't seen what you're doing. But I did say, I've never heard of somebody having neck pain from doing Hindu push-ups. I've never heard that. So the only thing I can think of without seeing video of you is that maybe you're straining when you should be relaxing. She writes me back and says, you know, I think you're right. I was doing kettlebell lifting in between the set. Well, you didn't tell me that. <laughs> you only told me that your neck was sore from doing handy You didn't mention anything about the kettlebells. So she'd do a set of, of, of Hindu push-ups and then immediately do a set of kettlebell presses. And then her, her neck pain is probably gotta be the push-up. Couldn't have been the kettlebells. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> See, so she was able to self-correct then by me not looking at what are you doing wrong with the exercise or, but just saying, maybe you're straining too much. It's not about strain. So big difference there. That is awesome. Mr. Fury, this has been fantastic. Thank you so, so much for your time. You're welcome. I'm pleasure to, to be on with you and to get introduced to you and, and uh, make sure uh, the people who are on this follow everything we say. Yes. And, and if, if somebody wants to invest in your programs, where can they go? What website would you like to point them to? They can go. Well, I have a couple. I'll give both. Uh, I have mattfury.com. That's M-A-T-T-F-U-R-E-Y.com. And then there's the Psycho-Cybernetics, which you referred to. And that book and, and much more you can find through Psycho-Cybernetics. You'll see there's a hyphen there dot com exactly the way this is spelled uh and i i have emails that i send out regularly from both sites that are inspiring and thought-provoking and and sometimes they will upset you because my job isn't necessarily to get everybody to agree with me 
sometimes uh, it's to shake the cage. Well, thanks for having me on. I, I've really appreciated this, and we'll have to we'll have to get together sometime and exchange ideas in person. I would love that. I would love to yeah. meet you in person, Mr. Fury. Thank you so so much. Yeah. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great weekend.